Hello, wherever you are in the world today, welcome to Beyond the Art in our series, The Stories That Carry Us. I'm your host, Craig Beaumont Flynn, a citizen of the Cherokee Nation and the Delaware Tribe of Indians. In each episode, we will discuss with various Native American artists, influencers, art leaders, and everyone in between their experiences, the communities they serve, and the translation and interpretation of the Native American art world today. Well, today we have with us Johnny Diacon, a Muscogee Creek Nation citizen. Welcome to the show, Thank Johnny. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Well, why don't, why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about your story about being a Native American artist and who you are and what you do. Okay, well, uh, I'm Johnny Diacon. I'm Muscogee. I'm from local tribal town in Deer Clan. And I've been doing uh, art for, seriously doing art for about 40 years now. I've been doing art ever since I was a little boy. I'm 60. So I've been doing it most of my life. As far back as I can remember, I've been putting uh, some kind of marking material to some kind of, you know, paper or wood or whatever I can get my hands on. So I've been doing it for a long time. Uh, <laughs> of course, naturally, I uh, do native art. You know, I do my people uh, because that's what I know. And so that's what I'm around. And so that's where my influence, you know, influences come from from a subject matter and what in, interests me and so that's that's uh one of the reasons why i do it you know uh, uh what inspires you to do your artwork uh just uh it comes to me you know i just uh at night when i'm sleeping a lot of times uh I feel like I'm awake, even though I'll, uh, I'll wake up and I'll actually be asleep. But during this, during these periods, ideas will come to me in, in these dreams. I will actually figure out how I want to do a project or what I want that project to be. And so, you know, a lot of it comes to me in dreams. And so I, uh, I wake up and I wake up early before the sun rises, you know, and I start work, I get up in my studio and start working. Um, sometimes I'm, I'm even, when I should be asleep, sometimes I'm out in that studio working because whenever that mood hits me or that idea hits me, I, I've got to I got to start working on it. It's almost like eating or any function you do, like breathing or something. It just comes to me naturally. And so I just do it. And I don't sometimes I don't really think where it comes from because it's just there. You know, it's like waking up and you're you're awake and it, those ideas and things just come to me like that. It, it's there. And I. I work on it and make it happen <laughs> as best as I can. <laughs> so in the wee hours of the morning when you get up and you've been inspired by your dream, what's the next step of your process in creating your pieces? Well, sometimes I, in the dreams, I don't really know exactly how I'm going to, uh, what medium I may want to do it in. I just know I've got this idea. And uh, once I get to the studio, it just starts slowly coming to me. It's it's kind of like you wake up and you're hungry. You're not quite sure what you want to eat. But then all of a sudden you realize, you know, this sounds good or this sounds good. And so right. you start fixing that food. And that's what I do with this art. I think, well, this is what I want to do. How do I want to do it? What sounds good? I think, do I want to do a, a flat traditional style like I used to do? Like that's when I originally first started out because it's my first exposure to that kind of art. Or do I want to do a more modern contemporary look you know uh do i want to do it in oil or acrylic or watercolor and uh 
so you know it's that is those little uh ideas come to me i start going from there you know and also <laughs> sometimes it just depends what time of the year it is the seasons will pay it right play a big part on how I want to go about doing a piece if I want to do it in oil and acrylic or watercolor because a studio it's it's a nice studio that's where I'm at right now it's uh it's insulated fairly well so in the winter times mm -hmm. it doesn't get real cold out here it I, I usually if I have water out here for my uh, acrylics or watercolor it won't freeze so it doesn't get that cold I got a little heater so it, it doesn't get too cold on me in the summertime, it gets hot, but it's insulated enough that it stays kind of, it stays nice. You know, it, if it's like 90s even, it'll be like in the 80s in here. But if it gets into the hundreds and, and it's on the west side of my house, if the sun starts shining, it gets a little hot out there. So I usually <laughs> I move inside in the winter times or in summer times where it's air conditioned because I can do watercolors in there. And it's easy clean up and out of the way so my wife says hey it's dinner time or you know get out of the way or whatever i can just fold that up put it away where with you know acrylics and oil paint yeah you know the fumes and everything she don't she doesn't want that in the house <laughs> that's what the studio's for so that also depends you know what time of the year what what medium i'll i'll go about and and also room if i'm going to do a big painting you know it's easier to do it out in my studio because i got plenty of room out here so when you're inspired by your dreams, are they usually more indicative of um, historical or cultural elements related to being a Muscogee Creek uh, Nation citizen? Or are they just inspirational, taking elements from it and you kind of reinterpreting and translating into a different form or vision? Well, a lot of times when these dreams come to me, it's uh, something I'm real familiar with. Um, you know, I do a lot of scenes of of modern day life and, and things going on. So a lot of times the, as I'm dreaming, it's, it's events that are taking place and that kind of inspires me. And that sets me into this. I need to recreate this, what I've seen in my head or what's going on in this dream. So um, most of the time, these, these, they're pretty uh, right on to the what's happening. Sometimes they get a little like dreams will, you know, just get a little wild after, but stills, still stays within that cultural uh you know the boundaries of that so it's recognizable because when i try to do when i do my work i try to do it it's like a record keeper and i want these mm -hmm. images you know when i do them to be pretty correct and accurate because you know that's part of being an artist and, and you're kind of like a storyteller and a record keeper and so you want to do these things because other people are going to see them so I, right. I try to keep that focused within that cultural balance. So when it goes out there, people who are, are you know, Muscogee will see that and, and recognize it. And it's proper. You know, it's nothing that will offend anybody. It's incorrect or Correct. something shown that shouldn't be shown or what's shown is shown improper. So I, I, I try to, you know, keep it reined in so it doesn't get too crazy. But I do have pieces and most of them are usually... Uh, that the dreams will take me to places where they're just fantastic, you know, and I'll do those pieces. Um, and it still has that because I can't get away from it because of who I am and where it comes from. It still right. has that indigenous <laughs> flair to it. So when you see it, you know that it's done by an indigenous person. Well, it's part of your DNA as well. Yeah. Uh, I just I can't get away from it. <laughs> and I don't want to. You can't run and hide. It's, it's going to follow you. Yeah. <laughs> 
So what does, defines you as a Native American artist or what defines you as a Muscogee Creek artist? Well, I, um, I mainly do Muscogee, Muscogee subjects um, because that's who I am. And uh, you know, I think it's important to represent. And through the years, I've done art shows and I've seen a lot of uh, great artwork by Muscogee artists. But sometimes and because the market dictates that from you know, the dominant society, what their idea of Native art is, they don't particularly do Muscogee subject matters. They'll do uh, Native subject matters that dominant society is used to seeing because the market dictates. If you're going to sell Indian art, a lot of times it's got to look a certain way because that's what non-Natives who buy a lot of this art, that's what they come to expect. And they're driven by stereotypes that they've seen in Westerns and their idea of what Indians are. So right. <laughs> to me, it's important representation. And our people love to see our images. Muskogee people love to see Muskogee representation. And so I've always been fascinated with the older artists that did that. And one of my, uh, my biggest idols was Solomon McCombs because he did a lot of Muskogee okay. subject matter. And so, you know, I loved uh, Woody Crumbo, loved his style and everything, but he, he didn't do Muskogee work because he wasn't Muskogee. Right. But I loved I loved his work and I love Solomon McCombs. So those older guys really influenced me, you know, as far as style and then subject matter. And so it's important to me to do Muskogee work uh, because I'm Muskogee. Uh, I like to be honest with my work. And I think it's you know important for Native artists to since we've got this responsibility to, as far as representation of who we are and our people are to do within our our own people. Because our stories and our images and all this have been told by other people for so long. And now, you know, we've got this opportunity for us to tell our stories and represent our images and put out to the world to who we are, you know, who we are, we, we know we are, and we feel we are. And so that's why it's important to me to, um, as a Muskogee artist, to do Muskogee subject matters. And, uh, you know, there's other artists, uh, you know, from other tribes that do their work. And yeah, that's why I say if you want that kind of work, go, go to those guys, because there are plenty of fantastic artists out there from those tribes doing that work. And so, you know, if you want native art and you want to be a collector of native art, collect it all because it's just it's wonderful work. And it is it's it's so diverse. If you want a great collection and and just cover everything. There's so many Native nations and so many artists out there doing such wonderful work that you can't go wrong, Native art. Right. You got to go to the source. You got to go to the source. Always go to the source. Absolutely. Do you feel you take challenges in your work? Um, Are you very true to your vision or do you actually take challenges and risk? I am. I take challenges and risk every time I feel like I go to the, you know, whatever canvas or, or illustration board, or whatever, because I still have this self doubt when I go, am I after, even after all these years and, um, and I do it, you know, I do it. And I always surprise myself. And sometimes I, it doesn't always work out the way I originally thought it was going to sometimes it it comes out even better so i surprised myself (laughs) so um my my father my late father he was a sign painter and he used to paint hand leather signs and he'd get out there and he he was really good at it and he would go out and do these signs and he'd gather people up and they 
watch him do it. And they'd say, oh, that looks easy. I want to try it. So, you know, he hands them a brush and stuff. And then they find out it's not that easy to, you know, hand letter those signs like he made it look, you know. And he, so they always tease him, called him easy money because he looked like he was making his money real easy because he was good at what he did. And I asked him one time as a little boy, I said, Dad, I said, is it easy? And he goes, no. He goes, it's hard. He goes, it's, but it's when you're good and you can make it look easy, that's when you're good. When you can make the hard stuff look easy, that's when you're good. So, you know, a lot of times it, it, it may look easy, but it's hard work. And, and uh, I put in a lot of work in these. They're not just whipped out and just, you know, like a lot of people think, you know, oh, art's easy, but it, it's work. It's hard work. And so sometimes it's time consuming. It's yeah. time consuming, you know, and there's a lot of effort goes into it. And so uh, sometimes when I pull something off, I'm really, I'm really pleased and I'm even more pleased when someone else sees it and can enjoy it, you know, and that's really touches me when I put all that work in it. And someone sees it and they they want to make it a part of their life. They want to. Pete, they see that piece and touches so much. They've got to have it. They've got to have it in, in, you know, in their life and share it with other people. And so that's when I know I've done a good job. Fantastic. So what mediums do you work in? Paint uh, and oil and pencil and charcoal? Yeah, acrylic. Or... I do acrylic and uh, watercolor. I used to do a lot of pencil work. And when I first started out in the early 80s, I did a lot of pen and ink work. Most of my stuff in then I, if you could find my older stuff, uh, it was it was pen and ink work in pastel. I did a lot of pastel, and I didn't do like uh, pastel like you would normally see. I used to use a like one color pastel and uh, worked on a, a colored pastel paper because I was just starting out. I hadn't been to school to learn how to use these materials. I was teaching myself as I was going along, and I did a lot of lot of pastel works. So my older pieces, which are Kind of hard to find, you know. Um, yeah, that's good though. That's what I did. Yeah, it, it's funny now because <laughs> I went to school at Bacon College, and uh, okay. we would do work there. Our student work, you know. But uh, Ruthie Blaylock Jones was my instructor there, and she would give us assignments, and we would do on little scrap uh, mat board these little assignments that she'd set up for us. Well, that was homework, and we would turn them in and. You know, she would grade them and critique them and everything. And every now and then, the president of the school would go on some fundraising trip. And so he would call over and said, I would like to take some of your student work with me, you know, to promote the art department in the school. And, and you know, I can always sell these little pieces. So we made a little little money off of it. You know, we didn't sell them for much, mm -hmm. you know, five, ten bucks. Little, little, you're selling your homework, basically, is what you're doing. Well, <laughs> They weren't the best because they were student work. And so every now and then, one of those will show up online on the online auction. And and I haven't seen this piece and I may have forgot about it. There it is. And it and I'm looking at it going, oh, that is so horrible. <laughs> it looks so bad <laughs> compared to what I did now. Because it was student work. You know, it was like selling your math homework or English homework. Now it's showing well, up you're, online. You were an emerging artist. You were creating and uh, doing your craft. Yeah, that's what sold because a lot of people buy those because they're buying emerging artists. These guys uh, may end up being a, a big name. They bought their pieces when they were first starting out. So, you know, so every now and then it's usually older people that have passed in, in state sales. These will show up on online auctions and they go for way more than what I ever sold them for. You know, the five and ten bucks I sold them for, which and it doesn't happen very often. So I don't see a lot of my pieces 
come back in. So hopefully they're enjoyed enough that people are hanging on to them. And I do get contacted by people since I've been doing it for so long that now have a piece that they've inherited or they've, they, they bought it from an older person, you know, because they've had to, you know, they went into a, a care facility or something. And so their stuff goes up for sale or an estate sale. And they'll show me a picture of it. And they're just, just as pleased to have it as that original person that they got it from. And that's, that's kind of nice to know that your work's still out there and, and yeah. living its life. You know, like it's like raising your children up and you send them out in the world and hope they have a good life. And every now and then they'll come back and visit you and, you know, and they're having yeah. a great <laughs> life. It, it's wonderful. It makes me feel good that uh, I'm doing what I need to do. I'm reaching people. My stuff's important. And uh, it's just a good feeling. So when you see those pieces, do you look at them and think, I've grown, I've mastered my craft, but is there still an essence or part of your, your DNA in those pieces that you still carry on today that you're like, oh, okay, well, I'm still doing it this way because that hasn't changed or I haven't change my brushstrokes or my vision or how the, the, how you create those pieces. I mean, do you see like a self-reflection from the older to now? I do. I do. And some of them I see, um, uh, particularly after I, I had a few more education, you know, a little bit more education um, as my skill grew, I would see those pieces and I look at them and go, that's not half bad. I did a good job on that. <laughs> You know, I didn't realize how good that piece was, you know, a pat in the back. Yeah. Like, hey, I was like, not bad guy. Job <laughs> well done, you know, and, and I could still see some of the things that I do then that I picked up. And through the years, my style has kind of stayed the same, but I matured with it and developed things with it. Mm -hmm. And also when I was starting out, I was trying all kinds of styles and I still kind of do that because as, as Ruthie said, I had a schizophrenic style because you know, I was always painting different styles, but I was enjoying what I was doing so much. And I love just, I was a sponge for seeing all these new techniques and ideas. And I was just eating it up. I was living the life. You know, I loved art and I loved all the different things and the influences. And that's why I liked art school, that energy and the power of being around all these creative minds and seeing what people were doing and trying out new things and, and getting a chance to use new uh, mediums and techniques you never even dreamed of or had the ability to use these things were coming to me now. and so. You know, my art, those style and techniques grew from there. I still use a lot of the things I've always done. And I think that may just be how my hand works. You know, it's just, and for the longest time, I noticed I, I had a style and, and it was recognizable. Mm -hmm. And at first I didn't like it. I didn't like that style. It wasn't what I wanted my style to look like. But I, I began, it's kind of like when you have, a dislike of yourself because you just don't have confidence or uh, things. So you feel bad about yourself. You're just not worthy. And then you realize as time goes on and maturity levels and things happen, you're like, I'm not a bad person. I do good, you know, and that's the way with my art. I start seeing, I said, well, that is good. I like that. And people like it. And so I started to like the people that have those self doubt start to learn to love themselves. I started to learn mm -hmm. to love my style and I'm, and, uh, I'm really happy with it because it, it's working, you know, it's working. And I was always afraid that the self-doubt part, it's not working. It's not working. It's not good enough. It's not right. But um, 
it is. I mean, not not to brag right. about myself, but it's working, <laughs> and I'm happy with it. And uh, it, other people are well, happy, and that's important. It's building self character, and I think uh, noticing yourself. You know, your flaws, your idiosyncrasies, where you need to grow, where you need to practice, or build your craft more. I think it's more of a character builder. So I think all creatives go through that stage of self-reflection and doubt and self-criticism, things like that. I mean, it's part of the creative process. Yeah. <laughs> That's why they're artists. <laughs> yeah. I mean, artists are, are self-centered, you know, we're all wrapped up into ourselves, you know? And so, and when we're putting that work out there, we're putting part of ourselves out there. So naturally we're going to see Absolutely. everything about us come back at us, you know, and all these doubts and, but, and the other people see it. And they get this, they get to see you, you know, they get to see your people tell me how much to see my character in it and, you know, how much uh, uh, is in me is in my work. And I think that's a good thing because that's what I want. I want this, this work to be honest and, and accurate. And so when I do it, I reflect my people too. So when they see that, I want other people to see it and know that this is an honest portrayal of my people uh, comes from my heart. It comes from, in a lot of ways, it feels like it's a spiritual thing for me, you know, and I've had things happen in my life that uh, reflect that. It, I, I had spiritual things happen to me that got me back into my art after I quit for, for 14 years after the death of a couple of my daughters um, that motivate me to get back into this, to use this gift uh, from the creator to create these pieces that I had a purpose with it. It wasn't just a, a hobby. It was more than a right, job. Right. There was a purpose to it. Absolutely. Absolutely. So what, sorry to hear about your daughters and it, I guess it did was a time for you to kind of uh, recognize what you bring to the world and to the native American community uh, in your artwork. What do you think is a significant and recognizable being a, a Muscogee Creek artist versus, you know, Osage or Comanche or Hopi? What's uh, recognizable to the trained or untrained eye? When they look at my work, what they see, that they can recognize it as that. Uh, the subject matter. I mean, I paint a lot of things that uh, Muskogee people, they recognize it right off. Um, I'll do ceremonial grounds, dances, ceremony dances, and people say, is this so-and-so ground? Because this looks like my ground, but I don't paint a particular ground or a particular person or a particular dance. Um, I put that essence out there, what it is, and I let that audience, you know, make their conclusions when they see that dance. Um, mm -hmm. And I make that connection enough that people look at it and they think, well, that looks like my ground, even though it's a ground that I don't paint from photographs. I paint from what I've seen and memories. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, so that's what I, I paint when I do it. I don't look at something when I paint. I'm just working on it. And so when people see that, they're, they're getting a little glimpses of my memories of what I've seen. And then I guess their mind and their hearts are filling in that, that rest of that pieces. And they're seeing, they're seeing what they need to see in that work. Um, so I think that's what it's very recognizable as being Muskogee. And I love that, you know, I love that. And sometimes uh, that makes it a little rough when you go to a, to a show and people aren't used to seeing Muskogee images and they may not recognize it as being native because it's not what they think of native, but Muskogee people recognize it. And that's who I'm really painting right. for. You know, if the other people <laughs> see it and want to learn more about it, I'll sit down and tell you about it. I'll I love talking about it. 
and I think it's a great learning thing too. It, it, sometimes it sparks an interest. Well, what is this? I don't recognize this. What is going on here? And uh, I can uh, I can tell them here. This is what it is. And Muskogee people, I don't have to. <laughs> They're already telling me. Oh, I love this. This looks just like you know so and so or this grounds or whatever. So, but right. you know that's that's what I think sets me apart from. Uh, it's just the fact that I, I stay with that that true to that subject matter, you know, and it's very recognizable. Well, that's part of your DNA and who you are, and I think that's probably um, indicative and very. Your soul comes out in your pieces, so it's it's a part of you each time. Um, when you do your pieces, do you, and you have those visions at the early hours of the morning, you go straight to work and start painting or drawing, or do you kind of like sketch it out thinking, okay, I'm going to reinterpret it this way. And this is what I collectively remember. Well, you know, that's the thing. I usually don't do a lot of sketches or studies. I just go straight to the, straight to the the work, straight to the work and and work on it from there. And uh, as far as laying it out and everything, I might make some slight sketches with pencil on to whatever it is I'm working on just to kind of, Lay it out real quick. Most of the time, I just go straight to it, and it's almost like an instinct. Um, as far as balance and the and the layout and everything, just comes to me, and it it seems to be working. <laughs> Nothing ever is uh, to to my eye. And when I've heard, uh, it's it's not just oh, you should move this here or put this here. Um, probably could, you know, if you really critiqued it hard or whatever, you know. But uh, I think it's just because. Uh, the way it comes to me and that spirit that moves me to do it, it comes out. It comes out the way it needs to. Does that make sense? You know, it, it yeah, uh, makes perfect sense. Yeah. It just comes out. I don't, it's almost like I'm being guided by something else that's doing it. You know, right. something's moving through me. And that's why I always said this, this ability to do this is like, it's a gift from the creator. He gave me this gift to do this. And so I, I use this gift and, uh, it's, it's it's what I do in this in this creation. I'm, I, I think about other things that I I do. I'm you know I'm a good person. I don't do bad things. I'm not a superhero. I try to live a good life. But this is the one thing that I do that it, it seems to be the thing that I'm, I'm meant to do in this life. You know I'm not a doctor. I'm not a, a lawyer or anything. I'm this. And this is what I do. <laughs> I think art you know, creates emotions, no matter if it's painting or if it's pottery or basket weaving or beadwork, it creates our human natural emotions, our senses. I think it stirs them up and it's a thought process. It gets you thinking. And again, it's part of your story and our story collectively as a Native American peoples, you know, that we create those emotions and they create that thought process and questions to be asked, you know, who are you? Where'd you come from? What's this mean? Why do you do it this way? Why is this dance this way? And so on and so forth. So I think that's um, part of a, being a creative artist. Do you take risks, do you think, in your artwork? Uh, I, I do sometimes. I will, I will take a risk. Uh, through the years, I've done pieces that uh, I'm just not quite sure how they're going to be. When you, when you take them to a show, you know, there's usually a theme to the show or Right, uh, there's right. things you want to take in, um, but every now and then I'll get I'll I'll get I'll get bold and I'll take in a, a piece that you know I may not 
quite sure how it'll be uh, received, you know, but I, I got to take that risk. I feel like it's got to be done. Uh, one piece that I recently uh, took to the Muskogee Art Market that was uh, last weekend was a piece that I've been toting around for 25 years. I did it as a student piece at the Institute mm-hmm. of American Indian Arts. And uh, it had uh, it had a history. It had a long history. It's uh, a toilet. It's called Andrew Jackson's Toilet in Hell. And it's an actual commode. Love it. And it started out as a student project at the Institute of American Indian Arts. I had a 3D design class with Corita Coffee. And the assignment was Indian chair. And she showed us examples of previous students' work. And one was a, an old wooden antique chair, and it was just covered with arrows, like a pin cushion or a porcupine. And it was called Custer's chair. And I thought, that is so cool. I want to do something about, with, with our Custer, our version of Custer, Andrew Jackson. Right. So I scoured the secondhand stores there in Santa Fe looking for an old chair to start the basis of my work. And I couldn't find a chair, you know, that fit what I was thinking I needed. But I did find an old toilet. It was laying in a dark room at a Salvation Army thrift store. And I don't think it was for sale because it was in a in a room. The lights were off and it was laying there sideways on its side in the dark. And I asked the lady if she'd sell it to me. She kind of looked shocked at first. And she goes, yeah, yeah, I'll sell it to you. So I bought it. Brought it to, back to my dorm room. And it's one of those kind of things, like I say, it came to me a dream. And then the motivation hit me and I just went right into working on it. And it was an older toilet. Had a wood seat and it has uh, the old uh, those antique fixtures that, that fixed the seat onto the commode itself. Um, I started carving that wood. I carved the presidential seal out, painted it gouged the wood in the seat and then I went around and found old rusty nails from old pallets took them out and I drove them through that seat so that seat's ringed with these different size rusty nails um it didn't have a tank top but I made a tank top and since it was a student piece I used cardboard and I fashioned this uh, big old Andrew Jackson head on the top of it and then I found all this information about uh, you know the Trail of Tears and his Injured Removal Act and all these just little bits and pieces about Andrew Jackson, printed them out and applied them all over it and painted it up. It fixed it up real nice. And I thought, well, I hope this fits the the project, you know, as a chair. It wasn't a chair, but you do sit on it. So right. I lugged this big old heavy thing to class. Yeah, this is going to fly. You know, <laughs> She loved it. She loved it. And she took pictures of it. And, and so it was the, the next example of the chair. And at the time, the jeweler, Kenneth Johnson, he would visit our classes. She'd have him come to our classes and give talks about business of art and everything. Um, she showed it to him and he had just started his, uh, he just got his uh, fellowship with the Smithsonian. And so he was traveling around the country and giving presentations. Well, he took uh, some of the slides she took of the, the toilet with him as part of his presentation on, on where Indian art is at today, you know, and he right. brought it with him and he was showing it. And so I was getting phone calls for a while. there. <laughs> hey, are you the guy that did that Andrew Jackson toilet? I love that. You know, everything. <laughs> so, you know, uh, so that the beginning of that. And so I loved it. And I thought, Oh, this is a great piece. It's going to blow up. Cause you know, it's going everywhere. So I take it to a show at the Creek council house museum. And this is before Creek nation, the Muscogee nation took over. 
the council house. It was still owned by the city of Okmulgee, and it was ran by, uh, I think, Creek Indian Memorial Association. I don't even believe they were Indian uh, people in, on this group or whatever, but right. they, they had an art show. And they had Kenneth Johnson. They brought him in as their uh, the judge for the show. And so I put that piece in there. And I, at the time, I didn't know Kenneth was there. But <laughs> I guess uh, the, the curator of the show with the museum refused that piece because he goes, that's not art. That's a commode. That's not art. And Kenneth said, are you crazy? He goes, that is art. He goes, that's, that's a contemporary piece of art done by a Muskogee artist. It's a, it's a it's a protest piece. It's a piece of art, and it needs to go in the show, or I'll walk. He threatened to leave the show, so they put it in, wow. and uh, it didn't win any awards. But I brought it back, and it's been with me for years. And through the years, I've worked on it. I've actually I've got a base for it, and it's now it used to sit on the floor. It's now mounted on this base. I actually used the the ring that you'd actually mount a toilet to a floor with. To Hold it on there. I reworked the top. It's all done on wood now. Um, I've done all kinds of work on it. Um, and also, when it was a student piece, one, I had uh, a printing class, and I made. I had Melody Yazi was my my instructor there. Um, I made. Uh, that's when the same year I made this was the year that that Jackson's uh, image on the twenty dollar bill went from the smaller size to the big size. Right. And so I printed hand silk screen a bunch of those and they're going down the toilet you know on the inside uh i was worried about someone said oh are you worried about making counterfeit money by doing that i said hey no it's no one's going to take on one side a bigger it's big bigger than normal yeah. you know dollar bill it's not even the same correct color green i said i'm not worried about counterfeiting but in the back of my head i was a little worried so oh am i pushing this envelope <laughs> a little too hard by doing this so anyway um, longer story, even longer. <laughs> I told Kenneth, uh, we're, we were next to each other at the Muskogee Art Market in, in a couple of days before it uh, took place. I thought, I'm going to drag that out. I'm bringing it up there. And I, I texted him, hey, Kenneth, I'm bringing Andy to the art market. He goes, dude, do it. Do it. We're, I'm right next to you. And we've got stories about this piece. So uh, I, I brought it in and put it up. And I figured, you know, I'm going to get that. That's a toilet. You need to get it out, you know, because it doesn't, it's painted and it's decorated up and it doesn't, if you can tell it's a toilet, but it, it doesn't look like a toilet, you know, like just right. a commode right. sitting there. You're not going to want to just use it. You know, like, oh, here's the men's room. Um, you can tell it's a piece of art. I mean, it's, it's more of a piece of art than Ducamp's The Fountain. You remember that for our mutt, <laughs> the urinal? <laughs> It, you know, you could tell that was your, this is, it's a piece of art. Um, it was more than just a ready-made piece of art, but, uh, there was that doubt that am I pushing the envelope with a toilet, even though I've done a political statement and, and the thesis behind it when I presented it to the class was I, I figured in his time, Jackson never had the convenience of an indoor toilet and now he's got one and it's this one. And this is his yeah. throne for eternity that he has to sit on. And hopefully he has <laughs> diarrhea. And this is where he sits because he didn't think of our comforts or our pain that he put us through when he moved exactly. us from our homelands 
And so this is part of the karma. And this is where he spends his eternity now. And the funny part, someone mentioned when they were there and they're saying, yeah, he and his wife and his own tail end with his own face and those $20 bills. <laughs> but yeah, that's, that's one of those pieces think. that I did that I pushed the envelope. I just thought, you know, I'm, yeah, I've done other not. pieces through the years and they're usually political pieces. Um, but yeah. Now has that, has anyone tried to uh, purchase that piece that you carried around for 25 years? Yeah, because he never leaves my studio. He sits here with plastic around him, you know, looking at me kind of through that clear plastic, kind of creeping me out. But a lot of people um, said that needs to be in a museum. That needs to be. And I've had referenced several times. That needs to be in the Smithsonian. And I've had several people during the art market tell me that, including a couple that had just came back from D.C., and they were showing me images of some of the things that they had seen at the museum. They go, it would fit perfect in there. That's where it needs to go. So hopefully as word gets out that old Andy will be leaving my presence. Because as Kenneth says, it's time you move on. He needs to find a home and it needs to be seen. And uh, it's an important piece. And this is his word. This is an important piece of art. And so uh, I would love for someone, you know, I keep putting the word out there. It needs to be seen. It, it's a statement, you know, and it's a Absolutely. statement that needs to be seen and needs to be understood because a lot of people forget and don't realize what this man did. All they know is he's on the $20 bill. Other than that, they haven't a clue as to what what he did. <laughs> and it's not that long ago. It's not ancient history. It's you know, not. The repercussions are people are still feeling it to this day so it's still in modern day history what he did i don't think it's not, obviously not a part of the educational system per se yeah <laughs> so besides besides your toilet <laughs> what else is a poignant piece that you were surprised by its response or didn't get the response that you thought it was going to get well i recently did a piece and it's new and i just put it out there at the market uh, this last weekend was the first time it was seen. Um, it's a piece, it's a scenery of, uh, it's 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 a, kind of a landscape piece. Uh, there's a river running down the center of it. And on one side of the river, it's an ancient scene. It's older people in the old homelands. And there's mounds in the background and in the, in the, in the, in the foreground, there's, Men making duck out canoes. They're working on canoes and they're putting one into the water. And then on the other side, it's a modern day scene. There's a pickup out there and there's people out there and they're working on making another duck out canoe. And the name of that was keeping our ancestors uh, ways alive. Um, and I figured it would get more response, you know, because here's ancient ways and modern ways separated by the river of time. But, um, no one really paid much attention to it. And, of course, I guess it was in competition with Andrew Jackson's toilet sitting in front of my booth. Um, but uh, but I had other works there, you know, as well. And they got it got more attention. But this one piece, uh, as very few people really know, and it's a fairly good size, 30 by 48 uh, piece. Um, so it surprises you. Sometimes I figure someone would see that and, and just go, oh, my gosh, you know, a couple did, but. Mainly, uh, it was overlooked. Uh, one of the highlight points of it is the so University of Tennessee in Knoxville is, is going to purchase this piece for their collection for an upcoming show. 
And so uh, it, it is. They loved it, and it's it's got a, a home. But I, I was I was just shocked that it didn't get any more attention in what it did because it's a good piece. And I'm not just saying it because I did it. You know, it's it's a good piece. <laughs> and it's yeah, one of those that came to me as a dream. You got to self promote yourself. Gotta yeah, and that's yourself what, out there, and that's what my wife said. Talk about the work, and I try to promote it. And my wife says, uh, "Or actually, it wasn't my wife as much as my my youngest." Uh, why do you always talk about your work? Yes, well, I'm not really bragging about it. I'm just talking about it because if I don't, no one else will. You know, because years I used to before I started entering shows. You know, I've said been doing this for forty years, but I'm much older than that, and I've been doing it for longer. It's because I did it for myself, and I never. I never took it anywhere. I did it. And I just put it under my bed or kept it. Um, and one day my dad saw it and said, you need to do something with this stuff. It's good. So that's when I started. Uh, and this is, you know, in the early 80s before there was Internet stuff. I didn't know there were shows out there for this stuff. And I, I just happened to uh, run across the Indie Paintbrush Gallery in Siloam, uh, Springs, Arkansas. We lived in Arkansas at the time. And. I went in there and she liked my work. She said, oh, she says, you need to start entering shows. And she gave me these entry forms. It was Trail of Tears there in Tahlequah and the Five Civilized Tribes, Red Cloud Indian School. Those were my first three shows. And I had no idea that there was a place where you could send your work and and sell it and promote it and stuff. And, you know, this is like I said, pre-internet. So I didn't couldn't log on, look for shows or, you know, put out, you know, pictures of my work or anything and so uh i, I had to i had to do that hustle and all, all artists know this you got to get out there and do that footwork and talk about it and and once you get that buzz going and that's a good thing to get a buzz going about yeah. art you got to do that and you're not yeah, you're not bragging start speaking itself and selling itself yeah you got to get someone's get attention representing yourself yeah you got to get their attention and they'll see it and then you let the work start you know putting it out there and it'll it'll keep that attention you know so you mentioned. So are you doing the market circuit now? Yeah, I uh, I used to do shows, and and my artwork's been more places than I've ever been. You know, at first I started just sending them out, and this is back when you used to have to send slides in. You know, they didn't have JPEG images, or you had to send slides right. in to get juried in, or or you would just actually send the piece up uh, at Red Clown. That's what you did. You just sent the piece out, and then Brother Simon, who who was in charge for years. Of that show uh, up there at Red Cloud Indian School, um, you'd send it up there, and I guess he would pick it up wherever you sent it to, then he'd take it back to the school, and um, it would sell. It would sell. I never got anything back from Red Cloud. It would go up there and it would win an, uh, a little award, or it would sell, and I never got anything back. And so, uh, like I said, my work's been places, and when it would sell, I don't know where it goes. You know, he he'd send he'd send you something. Oh, it sold. I wonder. You know, happy to tell you that your piece sold to so-and-so and it went here. But a lot of shows I was entering, it would sell and I'd get to check. But I never found out where it went. So that stuff kind of spread out around the country. And some that's why I get calls from somebody way out somewhere. I got a piece of yours we got years ago. I just wanted to tell you how much I love it. And I can't remember it because I've done so many pieces. So they'll send me a picture of it. And I'm like, oh, I remember that piece. And I think that, oh, I sold that way out, like, you know, intertribal Indian ceremonial out in Gallup. But now it's, you know, up in the 
you know, the East Coast somewhere, you know, like, wow. And they bought it when they were on vacation out there. And so, yeah, it's, it's always amazing. It's like putting so now that we're now we're in the digital age. Do you keep a catalog of every piece you create? I try to. Yeah. Instagram, Facebook. But, and sometimes I'll even post pieces as I'm working on it, you know, so people can follow along. And it, they seem to like that. They can see me working on it. And then I post the the original piece up after I'm done. So, and that helps me keep track of what I got. <laughs> so, because sometimes I reference back, okay, what was the dimensions on that, and what you know, the date and everything. Right. Um, I used to write it all do down. Ever, do you ever have a, a reoccurring dream? It's like you do a piece and then you have the dream again, and kind of reincorporate that dream into a new piece that's already been completed. I've had dreams like that where I, I've dreamed a piece, I've worked on that piece, and if that piece is still with me and I have that dream again, I may pull that piece back out and rework it and add that or change whatever came to me in that dream because when it comes in, I'll see that. I'll say, oh, I should have done that. I like that. Um, so that'll happen sometimes. Sometimes I will redo another piece, um, not the same piece, but I'll take that right. same info and make a new piece out of it. Um, I guess it's kind of like um, you see reimagined like uh, different movies from the past or TV shows, and then they they redo them, you know. <laughs> and that's kind of, right. I do that with some of my work. Uh, hopefully, I get a better success, and sometimes the reboot of some things don't, you know, go over. <laughs> so so far, it does, and that's the best thing when I'm I'm doing this artwork. Is a lot of times uh, the subject matter is the same, so you're not really changing it up too much. You're just changing the angle or the view of it. Uh, I did a, few, a piece a few years ago, or actually last summer. Um, I do a lot of ceremonial uh, paintings, and I had a friend suggest, I wonder what one would look like from above, a, a stomp dance looking down. Mm. And uh, the, the view we don't always see, you know. And so I had done a piece like that earlier, probably in the late 90s, but it was it was it was a, instead of at an eye level, it was a, kind of looking down at an angle on it, but it wasn't a direct view straight down. So I did that. Um, a bird's eye view. A bird's eye view. And I call that one the creator's uh, view of the, the ceremony. And uh, it was a little watercolor piece. And it was one of those where I was just testing it out, you know, doing this in watercolor. How is this going to play out? the shadows and the lighting and everything from because our ceremonies take place at night out in the country so it's dark so you know when you're working in watercolor it's you got to let those light colors first and then put the dark on top of it you know because you're letting the the white of the paper that's where you're getting your glow from so you got to work the opposite of what you do in oil where you put the darks first and then the lights on top so that was one of those kind of testing this out you know because i had done watercolor in a little little while so i was trying to Get that mind back to you need to do this first. <laughs> and so it worked out really nice. And uh, it was one of those kind of things. I took an idea I had, changed it around, took a suggestion from somebody and made a new piece out of it. And it, and it worked out. And I was really happy with it. And it, it, I sold that original piece and I've sold a lot of prints of it. And I finally uh, was able to see the guy that suggested doing that too. I saw him this week and he bought a, he bought a friend of it. He really liked it. So, you know, that was another one of those where I, my, uh, and he was Muskogee. And so it, it, it reached my target audience and, and, and they were 
they approved of it and they ple they're pleased with it and they wanted to bring it into their home. It has a home now. It's it's got a home. Got a home. What's your view uh that's an important factor for a Native American artist? I think uh being true to yourself. Um you gotta take into account when you're doing this work, uh and for me, and I think that's important, is it, it the accuracy and the honesty of it. Um, but we've got a responsibility uh, when we do this work to do our best work, our most honest, accurate. I know I say that a lot, but that's so important. Through the years, um, looking at art, images of us done by, by other people other than us and the inaccuracies and just... Uh, We've got a lot of work to cover to correct a lot of wrongs. And so I think that's very important for Native artists to put that out there. And if it comes from the heart, you know, that's that's a good thing because it's usually it's it's good. And so I think that's that's one of the most important things that when we do our work, but it's it's a strong work and because uh, we're representing our people. And like I said, we're kind of record keeper. Um with the storytellers, you know, um, cultural bearers in a, in a way, and we, we do, uh, we do important work and we're doing it not just for ourselves, but there's, we're doing it for our ancestors and, and relatives yet to come, you know, because that work will still be here long after we're gone. And, uh, it, they'll look back on it and they may not know who we are, but they'll know that work and they'll know, and we'll probably still be doing those same things today that we've done for years they'll see it they'll recognize it um hopefully it'll inspire younger generations that's how i got started i saw older the older gentleman's work uh the the az blue eagles and the dick west and, you know woody crumbo's work solomon mccombs all those are old masters um and that inspired me and that's where and uh, hopefully our artwork when we do our work it'll for a younger generation will see take take up where we left off and uh, go from there. Um, yeah, it's, you know, you, you're asking how uh, earlier how I got started with Indian art. And uh, when I was younger, I had really bad eyesight. I was legally blind. And when, my father, as, as I said, you know, was a sign painter and he moved around a lot. So he moved us to Arkansas. And that's where uh, I ran into a lot of, uh, uh, it was the 60s and he moved to the Northwest Arkansas. And it was a, the town he moved us into was not a good place during that period, you know. Um, so there were no people of color in that area. And so I caught a lot of grief, you know. Uh, just it was it was brutal at times. Um, yeah. But anyway, uh, they found out I had bad eyesight. and They took me to an eye doctor and I was living in a world of fog and blur, but I was able to navigate through it, you know. Um, and then, of course, I was nearsighted with the vision. I could see everything up close with drawing and doing things. It was like here in front of my face. So it was when things were up far away, I couldn't see. So when I got to school, that's when things, the board, I couldn't see the board. I couldn't see what the teacher was showing us or anything. So I ended up going to the eye doctor. And I didn't know at the time the eye doctor was a collector of Native American art. And this was in Springdale, Arkansas. So it's the last place I figured, you know, this place, you know, this would be. Um, 
So I got these new glasses and I put them on for the first time. But when I did, I was able to see his office was full of Native American art, the old flat style. And since he was a doctor and he was a fairly prominent doctor in that area, he could afford the good pieces and he had a lot of pieces. And so uh, after putting up with all the heartache I did for being Native in this segregated uh no, very non-diverse area to right. see this after being blind all of a sudden it was like a religious experience all of a sudden like the old thing i could see you know and what i saw was this art and it was wonderful and it imprinted itself upon me. it was a, like i said it was a spiritual thing i was right. meant to see this i was meant to be taken from where i was put there at that time have this eyesight that was poor have that fixed and to see this, that whole, all that came to that, that happened for that reason. And now I'm seeing it and it stuck with me. And so I started trying to replicate that old flat style stuff and it just stuck with me. And I didn't see it everywhere. Couldn't find it in books where I was at, you know, there was no internet like I said back then. Um, so every year when I went back to the doctor, I was excited to go back because there they were and I would see them. And uh, that's, Another thing that stuck with me, I realized this is this is who I am, but this is what I need to do. And through the years, that's played out to where I'm at right now. And I'm still going on with it, you know, and, and myself, right. I, my, my youngest is starting to pick up doing art, too. And right. they had their first well, not their first booth, but it was their third booth at Muskogee Art Market. And they're doing pen and ink work like I started out when I first started hitting the shows. And they're only 20. They're fixing to turn 21 in in, uh, in July. But, uh, you know, just All knowing that footsteps. These, yeah, the steps and these younger people are picking it up. And that's why I say it's important, you know, that we do this. And then younger people, that's what I saw, the older people's work. And it, and it inspired me. So that's what hopefully younger people who may... Uh, looking for direction to life will see that and then they'll find that direction and, and things will work for them too like that. And it's one of the things I feel like, you know, that's a responsibility that I have as an artist, you know, that's one of those things that I'm doing when I do my work. It's, it's touching so many people in so many different ways that I don't even realize it. And sometimes it's not that I set now to do this so much. It's just what I do and it's, and it's doing it. And it's a good feeling. That, you know, this is what I'm doing in in my my life, and I have this gift, and it's it's a blessing. You set your own path to your success. I mean, you were literally opened your eyes. Yeah, and saw your path. <laughs> I guess <laughs> very poignant. <laughs> so, Johnny, are you represented anywhere? Do you have any exhibits going on? Um, coming up in November. I think it starts in November and runs until November next year at the Hartshorn Atlanta International Airport. I'll have four pieces in that show. And uh, I know that's the major show I have coming up right now. I have some other little art markets and things I'll be doing. Um, currently have some pieces at end, in, in the end of this week. It's been hanging for a month at Five Tribes Museum in Muskogee. Just finished up the Cherokee uh, uh, Muskogee Art Market. Just put in my application for the Cherokee Art Market. Um, working on pieces for the University of Tennessee in Knoxville for that show that's coming up. And I think it's in 
2024 is when that show is. And then they're talking to me about pieces for an upcoming show in 2025, possibly have more work wow. in that. So that's further on down the road. Um, I know right now uh, with PBS, there's a, a video documentary series that's coming out that they're going to have some of my work in. Um, of course, Reservation Dogs, I've, I've, I've worked in that. I just finished a big mural and I got to see the 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 test scenes for the scene that shows my mural. And I'm used to seeing my work, at, you know, for the past two seasons in different sets, you know, and hanging on the walls and stuff and in scenes. And so, but this one, it's a mural and it is the, it is the wall in the scene where two of the main characters are, are sitting in front of this, my mural, that's the backdrop to them. And so, I saw that. I was like, oh, my gosh, that's not just a little painting or print on the wall. It's the, <laughs> it's the wall. Stamp, you know? <laughs> and so, you know, that's a good way to be recognized. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so I've got that going on. Of course, you know, I get contacted every now and then about book covers. You know, I did Joy Harjo, uh, American Sunrise. I had to work on that book cover. Um, this recent one that came back, a, uh, a promise kept about the McGirt decision that OU Press put out. It, it had a one of my works on the cover of it. Um, I get contacted all the time from book companies that are doing stories about the uh, trail of tears or something about, you know, Muskogee people. And they want to, they, they buy the rights to use one of my images in their, in their story. So I got all kinds of things going on shows and those kind of things that come up. Uh, and I never know. I'm always getting phone calls or messages. Hey, we'd love to use your work. We want to work with you. And so, you know, it's just, <laughs> I, I never it's know from sign, day sir. to day. So I've kind of don't have to do too many shows like I used to, because I'm busy doing all these other things that come up. And so, um, busy. and the older I get the outdoor markets, I, I usually don't do them anymore. Like I used to, cause it's just so hot. <laughs> it gets, it's kind of rough on me. And then being a painter, fighting that wind, a lot of times outside, you know, right. those paintings, <laughs> it's, it's like this little wind sails out there catching that wind. So, um, they might find a new home themselves. Yeah. Yeah. In the next County. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'm, I'm staying busy and, uh, you know, I'm getting to that age that, uh, this is, uh, it's good. It's easy work for me, you know, to be able to stay active and busy, and uh, it's not so physically demanding. Uh, not that great health anymore, and so uh, it, it's a good place to be. That I've got to this point in my career that uh, I'll be able to, you know, retire and still have make enough money to not have to worry about a lot of things. Uh, and as long as I can keep doing this, and I hope I can do it for as long as I'm able to. To live, you know, breathe and everything. I'll, uh, I'll keep doing it because I, I love it. I've, I've got to do it. And like I said, it's it comes to me almost like a, a body function of like waking up and eating and everything. It just well, it's part of who you are. It's part of it's, it's me, part of Johnny. That's, yeah, you found your calling, and the spirits told you what you needed to do during your time on this earth. Yeah, and and I appreciate you know I've got pieces that are, uh, Julie O'Keefe, uh, you know. Working with Muskogee Creek Nation uh, last year at the art market, purchased a lot of work for uh, Council Oak uh, Comprehensive Health Center, that new hospital. Yeah. So I got pieces in that, and I found out this weekend that uh, there's more opportunities coming up like that. And so there wasn't more work. So, yeah, I'm staying busy. <laughs> so do you do commission works besides just the the pieces that you do that you collectively and, and pull from? 
that's what I most I mostly do that. I, I really don't like to do commission work uh, because, like I said, you know, these things come to me like a dreams and visions and stuff. And then sometimes when I'm doing commission work, if you're doing something that's someone else's dream or what they're seeing, and a lot of times these people can't re- replicate what they they're seeing themselves, so they want someone else to do it. And it's sometimes it's hard to get that same image that they're seeing. They'll tell you what, but when they're telling you something, you're seeing a different image. So when you put it down there, they're like, that's close, but that's not, you know. And so it's easier for me to, and it, it seems more honest for me to do my work and then let the people come and see it, make their decisions about this is what I want. I like that better than uh, trying to do what someone else wants you. You know, it's, yeah. it's hard to. Less restrained, less restrained, I would say. Yeah, yeah. So I do get commissions, the kind that were, uh, could you do me a painting of this and whatever your interpretation is? I know I'll love it because I love your work. You know, that's, I'll do those kind of commissions, but you know, it's kind of hard to do the one. I've had this dream and it looks like this and that. It's, it's hard for me right, to right. get it exactly right. I, I want it to be right for them. And I want them to be satisfied with what they get. Right. You can't, uh, you can't, uh, well, I would say you can't direct an artist. You have to have that creative liberty to do what you need to do because you're, you're the professional. <laughs> so any closing words of wisdom, sir? Well, if you're, if you're trying out art and uh, you just feel like you can't do it or you, you get, you know, you, jury, you can't get juried in or something, or something don't, don't let that stop. If this is what you're you're meant to do, you keep doing it. Because I didn't always make shows. I've been shows I didn't get juried in. I don't I don't always win prizes. You know, it's always a surprise you know, when I do. Uh, but I don't do it for the prize money. I I do it because I got to do is it. what I do. So don't let anything stop you. Always be willing to learn and uh, enjoy what you're doing. And it's, it's really rewarding in so many ways, so many ways. And so just keep going with it. Just keep going with it because we need more artists. We need these people to come up and take our places when we're gone. We need to keep it going, mm-hmm. especially with native artists. We need to keep that going. It's very important. you got to keep on telling the story. It's never going to end. Well, sir, it's been my pleasure and a great honor to have you on the show. Thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you very much. It's been quite an honor for you to be interested in, in talking to me and about my work and uh, recognizing me, you know, and coming on, wanting me to be a part of your podcast. That's quite an honor for me that, you know, oh, you wanted to include you. me in this. Absolutely. We couldn't do it without you guys. So glad you're here and you keep on telling your story. So, 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 so thank you very much, Johnny, for being on today. We appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you.